Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome, everyone, to a new edition of BAMS Radio here on this Sunday evening. I am your host, Rudy Armand, along with my usual cohorts, my co-host, Thomas Watts, the wizard from the port city of Mobile, keeping us on the air, doing a great job producing. And coming up with some numbers and analytics, as always, for each matchup, we're going to take a look back at the beatdown in Bryant-Denny as Alabama slaughtered Ole Miss. Really, the game wasn't as close as the score indicated after everyone, Chris Doring especially, uh, shouted from the rooftops all week about how Ole Miss was going to beat Alabama. That certainly didn't come to fruition. It was a much easier win than I think anyone anticipated you know, myself included, but we're going to break it down tonight. And of course, William Barger will also be with us uh, from 89 to 93, a key member of the Crimson Tide, a national champion in 1992, and someone that always has his ear to the ground when it comes to the University of Alabama. And we're going to start breaking it down. And I'll just uh, tell both of you guys, especially you, William, I, I enjoyed my popcorn after the game started. I don't know that Lane Kiffin did very much, though. Well, I, I waited 24 hours. I didn't have any yesterday, but as soon as we hang up, I'm walking into the movie theater to watch the Sopranos movie, so I'll enjoy mine this evening. Yeah, and, you know, I thought about you because one of the one of my favorite stories you ever told was when you were playing one of the greatest mob movies, and I still think it's the best mob movie of all time, Goodfellas came out, and you guys went to watch that as a team, so that I always remember that, and Goodfellas is one of my favorite movies, and I did watch The Sopranos, and I'm, I don't blame you for going to that movie, William. I wouldn't mind seeing that myself. Yeah, you know, the, the Goodfellas one is actually a good memory from a Friday night movie before a game. It was suffering through all the Jean-Claude Van Damme, Steven Seagal, you know, C-level, <laughs> you know, ass-whoopings that we had to go watch to try and get us motivated. Yeah, I hear you. Well... Speaking of getting motivated, I think Alabama was certainly motivated, William. They had remembered for the year the year before the defense was shredded by uh, Ole Miss. You know, they rushed for, you know, over 250 yards. I think it was 268. Well, yesterday, they didn't even, uh, you know, reach 100 yards. Alabama completely shutting the run down against Lane Kiffin's offense. Matt Corral, for, for a quarterback that didn't have a running game, Still played pretty well. He's a good player. There's no doubt about that. Had a high completion percentage, uh, you know, threw for 200 yards. Uh, you know, he ran for a touchdown. But Alabama, uh, you know, was able to basically do a nice job of, uh, you know, uh, of containing their offense, not giving up of the explosive plays we saw a year ago. And the key is, I thought going in, I remember last week I was, I was adamant about this. I thought the key was for Alabama to slow down the run. I didn't think they would completely shut it down the way they did. But once they slowed the run down, it made things very, very difficult for that offensive line of the Rebels. No, Drew, and I think actually they, you know, not to take a negative 
angle here, but they they actually probably could have done a much better job than they did than they did had they tackled um, a little bit better. I mean, they were in position to make a lot more tackles for losses, and you know, a juke here, a jive there, a miss here, a miss there, and um, that running staff for Old Miss would have been uglier than it ended up being. But um, I, you know, I thought it was a good team win. Um, you know, it, 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 as, as ugly as it was, especially in the first half, um, you know, it could have been uglier with some with some better execution at certain times and in certain areas. Uh, learned something new yesterday. I, I didn't realize that uh, if you lowered your helmet and hit somebody in the shoulder pad these days, it was targeting. I, I, I can't remember what I threw across the room, but it might have been the remote. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, I just – I thought it was a good game. I was a little bit surprised, and I got to, you know, tip my hat to Matt Corral. He certainly didn't, uh, you know, contribute to Ole Miss losing that football game. He, he kept his composure and, you know, didn't make any turnovers. And, and uh, you know, I got to give the young man credit for that. It was, you know, the fact that Alabama was just that much better on both sides of the line of scrimmage, you know, than Ole Miss was. I even looked up one time and – Saw number 79, Chris Owens, pin somebody to the ground and kind of shake them like a rag doll and give them the business. So that, that was a positive step in itself. Yeah, it was. 21-29 for Corral, 213, and he did throw the late touchdown pass after Mo Larry and Curley called the garbage, uh, you know, a pass interference penalty on uh, Josh Job on what looked like an overthrow, which would have turned the ball over on downs. But certainly, you're right. Matt Corral also rushing for one. He did, uh, you know, compete very well in the game. Uh, and then uh, they did hold Ole Miss 34 carries, 78 yards, 2.3 yards per rush. So really shut them down. Uh, and, and nobody from Ole Miss made an explosive play as a receiver either. So uh, that was an outstanding job. The secondary, William, I do agree they did miss some tackles at times. And it's always frustrating, but I thought, they did a better job of covering yesterday than they had been doing and tackling. I thought DeMarco Helms played much better. He was at least in position and didn't, you know, miss a lot of tackles. I thought Malachi Moore one time took a bad angle and cost him, you know, kind of a first down. But I didn't think there was as much of that. Uh, so that's at least encouraging to a degree. Uh, but, you know, we did see the inside linebackers get misaligned some. But Toa Toa made a big fourth down play on that uh, option that, they, that Lane Kiffin. I still can't believe Lane Kiffin went for that one, William. Uh, I know he, he talks about analytics and everything and fourth and four or less. And it was fourth and two, though, inside your own 30. To me, in a big game like that, you don't take stupid chances like that. I, I didn't think Lane coached a very smart game. No, he didn't. I'm sure that's one that, that he probably wishes from the pregame interview till the final whistle that uh, that he could have a do-over on. And, you know, I, and I wasn't picking on the secondary as far as missing tackles. Oh, I thought yeah, it was yeah, at yeah. every level. I thought it was at every level of the defense. And a lot of that, you know, you need to credit to Matt Corral for, you know, being as shifty and elusive as he is. I mean, he, he uh, left defensive linemen standing holding there. He left linebackers holding there. Um, you know, probably didn't give him enough credit for being as good of a player as he is. Um, you know, without much help with, from a supporting cast yesterday. I mean, he, he carried that team as far as he could uh, pretty much by himself. But, 
um, you know, I, I think you got to, um, you know, I think there was some demons exercise yesterday uh, by this Alabama team. Uh, you know, I guess, you know, two weeks ago, Pete Golding was fired by the fan base. Uh, Brian Robinson wasn't an elite running back. Um, you know, the list goes on and on. Um, you, know, I, you know, I think even even Bryce Young probably, I would say, um, even in a dominating win, um, there's some plays I think he wish he had back. Yeah. Um, so, you know, but, but still at the same time, I think when you can, you know, nitpick and, and be hyper, you know, critical maybe in certain cases about this, you know, I think the one thing that, that I'm still – waiting to see out of the 2021 team, um, you know, is, is something that all championship level football teams, well, any, any championship level team in any team sport uh, needs to have is that killer instinct. And, yeah. you know, once again, you kind of saw the defense, let the foot off the gas in the second half, you know, as, as dominating as Alabama was on the ground yesterday, not being able to pick up that fourth and one, um, you know, in the closing seconds of the game, that, that kind of is going to leave a bad taste in Coach Saban's mouth. So still, you know, even, you know, kind of exercising that demon um, is as is, is many points and stuff as they let Ole Miss score on them last year, there's still teaching moments and, and things that this team can improve on um, before they go to College Station next Saturday. And I'm, I'm about to ask you your opinion on how Alabama's offensive line performed, which I thought as a group, was probably their best game, sands the snaps in the center. And I'm going to ask you about that. But before we do that, you made some very interesting comments on Matt Corral and how well he played. I said this to somebody yesterday, and I wanted to get your opinion, and you've watched them. Georgia certainly was a dominant football team and went in 37 to nothing over Arkansas. They didn't have, you know, uh, JT Daniels. He's still hurt with the abdominal injury. They played Stetson Bennett. He made some plays, but they tried to. They still hit him in the second half. They didn't even try to throw the ball. I think Corral is better than any quarterback Georgia has. What do you say about that? Oh, absolutely. I still don't know if if, if he's not the best player in the country. Um, oh, okay. When you wow. when you when you factor in um, that he doesn't have those weapons around him like he did last year. You know, they were without one of their best wide receivers yesterday. Right. You know, they don't have that freak at tight end that they had last year. Um, you know, this isn't the same old Miss team. And, uh, you know, as far as Georgia's concerned, I, I don't know if we're going to get to see it this weekend or not. This is kind of a – I know it's a big rivalry game for Auburn, but coming off the uh, 12.30 a.m. win last night, I kind of regret staying up and watching that now. Huh. Um you know, th this is going to be interesting to see if Brian Harson can get this team back up um, for a much better football team than they beat Saturday. But I, I still, in the back of my mind, don't know what Georgia is capable of doing if they just can't line up and run the football down somebody's throat. Um, you know, I think we saw a little bit of that versus Clemson. Um, they can't do much. And, uh, you know, that's starting to look like a worse and worse win for uh, for Georgia the longer the season goes on. You know, Clemson escaped by the skin of their teeth yesterday over Boston College. Um, but that, that to me, is the – oh, I, I wouldn't even say it's a weakness. We just don't know, you know, just, just how effective they could be throwing the ball 
um, you know, further than 10 or 15 yards down the field because we haven't seen a defense yet so far this season that's forced them to try and have to do that. Yeah, that's a good point. And uh, now to, to, to talk about the offensive line, how did you think they played as a group? And then you played with a really good center, one of the best centers I still think in Alabama history. And there's been a lot of good ones, you know. Uh, he doesn't get a lot of credit, Toby Shields, but – Toby was from Fairhope, and in his day, he was only, I think, about 265 pounds. He was a smaller center, but he was really good. You played guard. You saw Dalcourt, though. It almost looked like to me that Dalcourt kind of got the yips, and what I mean by that is maybe it got in his head, but all the, a lot of the snaps were either wide or high. It was kind of surprising to see that we hadn't really seen that earlier in the season but just talk about the offensive line as a whole, and then how do you kind of fix that situation with Dalcourt? Well, now I, I'm going to have to make one correction, and, and I know you're basing this off of what you read in the programs back in 1992, <laughs> um, but Toby Shields, Toby Shields never played a game in an Alabama uniform where he was a pound over somewhere between 245 at the tops 250. Oh, wow, that's um, crazy. <laughs> Wow, well, that's that's the truth. He he would get up that much, you know, in the off season, and you know maybe during spring practice. But once the Marine Corps style running program, we would get put on, and it wasn't just Toby; it was everybody. Right. I um, mean, that was one of the reasons why we were such a smallish offensive line. I mean, I'd get up to three bills, um, you know, in the winter time, and you know I don't think I ever played a game during a season over you know somewhere between two eighty and two eighty five, but. Um, you know, I, I, I thought the offensive line, um, I'm going to put an asterisk by it because it's certainly not that hard to have a good running attack when you've only got three down linemen to block um, and, you know, two inside linebackers. But, yes, they, they that was their best, you know, run blocking performance. Um, you know, I still thought there was some – a little bit of stuff that needs to be cleaned up in pass pro. You know, I thought Bryce was under a little bit, um, too, you know, too much duress at times. Um, but I thought probably as a whole, that was the offensive line's best performance so far this season. Mm, nice. And then with Dalcourt, is this something that – Oh, you, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. No, I just want to know, how do you fix something like that? Because I, I don't know. I kept thinking, okay, he had one or two, but it seemed to be something that lingered the whole game. Yeah, and, and I think also, too, I mean, I thought Gary Danielson, you know, made a good point about this. I mean, those – you know, high snaps, um, you know, Bryce Young's, you know, if, they, if your quarterback was six foot five, those, those snaps yesterday probably weren't that high. Um, but, you know, at Bryce Young's height, I mean, he was getting the ball, you know, face mask and, and above in a lot of cases. And, you know, it caused the timing um, of the play to, to be off a little bit. And I certainly think some of those errant snaps, you know, led to some inefficiency on offense. I mean, I, I've never been a snapper beyond a long snapper in, in high school, so I, I really can't speak to that from a personal experience standpoint, but it's certainly something that needs to be cleaned up. Um, you know, it, it, it was a problem, and, you know, that's something that was consistent throughout the course of the game. And, um, I, you know, like you said, I mean, maybe it is something you can equate to the, to the yips or the shanks, and you know, in a golf swing. Um, because, you know, once it started yesterday, you never saw it get corrected. Yeah, that's the only really thing concerning for me offensively uh, was just, you know, what 
how uh, besides the injury to Jace McClellan, which William, I'll be free to tell you, I never saw it. Uh, you Me know, neither. I, I was told today that it happened in the early in the third quarter, and he he went down on all fours, and I guess I just didn't see it. But uh, I, you know, and then I was told that you know he was out, and then I I got a message last night that it looks like it's an ACL. And he's out for the season, mm. and, I, and I hate that. I mean, uh, Coach Saban basically said it was a significant knee injury, and he'd be out a while. And I'm hearing it's an ACL, uh, you know. And so that's uh, it, that's very sad, if true, because I love his game. He was going to play even more yesterday. I thought Roy Dell did a good job in his stead. But I, one of the things that I like that Bill O'Brien added in this game, William, that I think Ole Miss had a hard time dealing with is that split backfield with Jace and Brian Robinson together. Now it'll be, I guess, uh, Brian Robinson and Roy Dell Williams. Um. Yeah, and uh, there again, I, I think yesterday was probably Bill O'Brien's uh, best performance as the Alabama offensive coordinator in 2021. Thought he really, um, you know, called a good game, was very creative. I mean, when, when something was working, um, you know, he stayed with it. Um, you know, you saw – um, you know, them get uh, Billingsley more involved in the passing game. Uh, but, yeah, I thought he was very creative in, in the running game. Um, I thought the split backfield was a nice creative touch as well. And, you know, I, I hate to hear that about Chase. He was having a, a very good season and, um, you know, was a good compliment to Robinson. And so now Alabama's got to shift gears. And, um, you know, cause I don't know if you noticed this or not, Drew, there was a couple of times yesterday where – you know, I thought Robinson was fixing to tap out with a, you know, some type of, some, you know, something nagging him. I saw him come up limping slightly yeah. a few times. So, you know, they need to, you know, get everybody healthy. And, um, you know, now we're just going to have to see. I mean, they're getting a little bit thin in a, in a running back room, you know, a month ago that was overcrowded. You know, now all of a sudden it's getting a little bit thin, especially with Cameron Wheaton being unavailable. Yeah, Kamar Wheaton's going to boot like, some sort of foot ankle issue. He's not healthy right now. And that just goes to show you, William, back in the spring, they had seven running backs, and everybody's like, what are you going to do with all these backs? Well, Kyle Eggers transfers, Keelan Robinson transfers, and then you get a couple of them hurt, and now you're down to three. So they can, yeah. you can lose them quickly. So they don't need any more injuries there. Certainly Brian's going to need to rest up this week and, and try to – he took a physical pounding, 36 carries, 171 yards. He's the – Walter Camp Player of the Week, uh, which is uh, significant, uh, no doubt about that. That's a, a huge honor uh, for him, but he, the best game of his career. Actually, it's amazing, the first 100-yard game of Brian Robinson's career. So uh, he, uh, he scores four TDs and uh, helps Alabama in this route. But I wanted to bring in Thomas Watts. Thomas, uh, you know, William and I have been, been kind of breaking down what we saw offensively. We've talked a little bit about defensively what we saw out of Alabama. Wanted to get your thoughts on this win because I know as you, uh, as we all predicted last week, nobody kind of saw this kind of beat down coming. This was a, a, a this was a good all around all around performance. Absolutely, and I, I really thought that Ole Miss was going to be able to go up and down the field, and. Frankly, it looked like they were getting close to being able to do that, if not for that first fourth down. That one, to me, was very defensible. Uh, honestly, the 
one deep in Ole Miss territory was insane. Like, at that point, you absolutely just lost whatever. I didn't even understand what Kiffin was going for with that. But overall, in terms of Alabama, you see a team getting a little bit better. What happened last year in week three? Ole Miss happened. What happened this year in week three? Florida happened. The team has gotten better in the two weeks since, you know, really dominating Southern Miss when it was when it mattered and doing the same to an Ole Miss team that's pretty good. We're going to get a lot better sense of where Ole Miss is as a program this week because after a very physical contest against a very good Alabama team, now they get to have fun with Arkansas. And you know Arkansas is going to be smarting after – the, the beatdown that Georgia put on them. So, you know, we're going to see how good that win looks you know, this time you know, when we record the show next week. But in terms of Alabama, just get you what, – what do you want to see if you're an Alabama fan? A little bit better every week. I think Alabama was a little bit better. It was – I think the thing on offense that deserves the, the biggest spotlight is the notion that Alabama can change their pitch. And if you look at that Florida game, a lot of what Alabama did was what's called the extended run game. You, know, you do the little screens, do the flares, et cetera, et cetera. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's a staple in most offenses. But the idea of line up and continuously punch you in the face is a completely different offensive philosophy than – spread a defense out, stress them, and let playmakers do play, make plays in space. The Alabama offense was able to do that. And, you know, that's something that Alabama can take and really have confidence in moving forward. Uh, Jaleel Billingsley, uh, that guy getting out of the doghouse has fixed so many problems for this Alabama offense. It's kind of insane to consider. Alabama's 12 personnel is absolutely lethal now. And, you know, that, that again, confidence, a little bit better than the week before. Texas A&M is struggling, talking about the next week. But that was a very good defense. And they're, you know, they're going to be smarting. They're, you know Alabama's going to get their best game, even though they're having a two-game losing streak. So being able to vary your how you attack a defense – has a ton of value. We saw it to the tune of 42 yesterday, and we should see it moving forward. Now on defense, pretty much the same story, but it's one of those things where Alabama took a step forward. They have a ton of stuff to clean up. As William said, if Alabama can lock in their tackling, Ole Miss was held to 291 yards. If the missed tackles are only cut, let's say, in half, let's just let's put a number on it. You take the number of missed tackles and cut it in half. That's probably 40, 50, 60 yards that Ole Miss was, will be unable to get. When you're getting into like the 230s with a, spread, with a spread team, like what Lane Kiffin wants to do, that is an absolute annihilation. So what do you want to see come moving forward? Keep cleaning up. Keep showing your fundamentals. And if there's one group that – really is coming is getting there but has has the longest way to go to me drew it's the inside linebackers the outside linebackers you know drew sanders and will anderson have been revelations but christian harris and henry toa toa do one of two things 
they make a splash play or they make you want to smash your face into the wall. And there's not a lot of in-between. Now, of course, some of that is if a defensive lineman can't occupy gaps very well and they get blocked. That stuff happens. I understand it. But, but that's the sort of development that this Alabama football team, this Alabama defense needs to have. The ingredients are still there for this Alabama defense to be very, very good. And looking at how Alabama's played, I feel like that's all you can ask for once again as Alabama really gets into a portion of the schedule where looking at the first five games, there are going to be some issues. You know, Texas A&M's offense is terrible, but their defense is solid. Okay, then you look to the next week. Mississippi State, after a couple of physical contests, because you know the a and is going to try and get physical, Mississippi State wants to do things slightly differently. It's a ball control air raid, which frankly sounds like an oxymoron to my brain, but that's exactly what Mississippi State just did against Texas A&M. So really good win, really good development. You have to be excited as an Alabama fan of what you saw yesterday on both sides of the ball, particularly when you contextualize it from week to week. But there are plenty of challenges and plenty other progress going along because I'll be honest, I would take Georgia to beat Alabama right now. Luckily for Alabama, that's not something that Alabama has to worry about until December. And I feel like I say this every week, but it's the truth. The teams, should Alabama and Georgia make it to the SEC championship game, which is what it looks like right now, the teams we see next week, you know, October 9th, are going to be very different than the teams we would see in the second week, first or second week of December, whatever day it is, Drew. Yeah, but and I will say this, another positive thing, William, and I was going to, we should have uh, broached this already, but. Uh, I, I did think they cut down on the penalties. They only had five penalties for 52 yards. One of them was a bullshit call at the end. So I thought that uh, that overall they looked more disciplined in this game against Ole Miss, and they're going to have to be because I understand this A&M team's overrated, okay? I thought they were all year. Uh, without Haynes King, it really hurts them from the quarterback spot. Calzada doesn't look like he's ready for prime time. But they do have a good running attack, even though I think their O-line is suspect. They're going to have to contain Isaiah Spiller, who's hurt them a little bit. But if they can contain the run like they did against Ole Miss, and quite frankly, I think Ole Miss has a better running game than A&M, then Alabama should win this game comfortably in College Station. But I thought it was encouraging that they cut down on the penalties. Well, you know, if I'm going to come on here and talk good about him, I'm going to get on his ass when he does bad. Let's don't forget about my man JoJo taking off like he was, you know, at at a mystery hand clap, taking off like he was the only one on the field being timed in the 40-yard dash yesterday. (laughs) That was funny. I've never seen one of those, William. You don't see many wide receivers that don't know the snap count or whatever and just take off in a straight line for 10 yards. (laughs) Uh, It was so bad I had to laugh. Yeah, I, I have to agree with that. Okay. Uh, but but no, and, and I think too, you know, a, a, one thing that we haven't touched on, and and uh, I was thinking about it when you and Thomas were talking. Um, you know, I think we finally got to see Timmy Smith's coming out party yesterday. Yeah. Um, you know, w- was a very welcomed addition into the uh, D line rotation. Uh, made quite a few really good plays. 
um, you know, very, very good when I think on one of the, uh, it's either a third and short or a first and four, a fourth and short when he hit the running back. And um, I think Toa Toa or one of the inside linebackers had him wrapped up, but he still looked like he possibly could have fallen forward for the first down and Timmy knocked him sideways into next week. So I enjoyed seeing that. And, uh, you know, it, it's, it's just kind of strange, you know, you see, you know, uh, Braswell coming in. You know, I saw Dallas Turner coming in, you know, spelling Sanders and uh, um, Anderson. Um, you know, had a had a little hiccup there when Anderson pulled up limp, Gimpy one time that, you know, made me skip a heartbeat. But, man, like, like uh, Thomas said, man, I mean, Sanders and Anderson are, are both the real deal. I mean, they're everywhere uh, running around out there, high motor guys uh, that, that just hustle and um, just just a fun, you know, uh, position group to watch. I mean, and, and it's not like you have to pay close attention. I mean, they're they're involved all the time. I think Will, you know, now has maybe 11 tackles for loss, um, which is probably going to put him at the number one uh, tackles for loss guy in the country. Um, I know he was tied for first place going into yesterday. I can't remember with who, but, you know, another really good performance from him and, you know, it's just it's just kind of interesting to watch. Um, I would have said this time last year, you know, that I would never want to see that guy, you know, line up in a three technique, pass rushing over an offensive guard and confined space. But man, that guy has such long arms. He's so explosive and quick, and plays with such great leverage. I'd almost like to see it happen now, just to see what he could do with it. Uh, just, yeah. to, just to hop in, ahead, Will Anderson Thomas. is currently the yeah. statistical leader with 11 tackles for loss. He's a half a tackle ahead of Javon Solomon from Troy. So uh, the state of Alabama has that on lockdown for now. We'll see. Well, I, and I don't know if you guys watched Lane Kiffin's press card, but I had to go and watch it. And he basically said that he wished 31 would just go pro and be the first pick in the draft. But unfortunately, <laughs> he can't because he's a sophomore. And then he started talking about Alabama winning the game up front. He goes, well, they ran it to the left side a lot. 73 is just a, a, a monster. And then he said, come to think of it, I guess he'll be the first pick in the draft this year. And then 31 will be the first pick in the draft next year. So he, I, uh, I don't either. I don't know if either one or both are going to be the first pick, but they're both definitely going top five. Yeah, they both should be. I don't think there's. Any doubt about that? Uh, and and uh, and and I will say this. I again, I will admit that I hate to hear about the loss of Jason McClellan because I loved his skill set, loved the way he played. I am going to be anxious to see Roy Dell, you know, can to expand his role. He played well against Southern Mississippi, got 100 yards, and he's quick. He can catch the ball as well. He's going to be a great opportunity for him to be the number two guy. We'll see Trey Sanders probably get some more time. He did play a little bit yesterday. He's got to get better without the ball, but it gives him a chance as well. Uh, and as you said, William, I do think B-Rob is still somewhat banged up. So it'll be interesting to see how much those other two backs play against Texas A&M. Uh, Alabama's an early 17-and-a-half-point favorite now over the Aggies due to their struggles in the last couple of games. I still think it's going to be a somewhat difficult game, but I think it's one that they should put away in the second half because I just don't – the Aggies' offense doesn't scare me at all. And I think if Alabama is, has their minds right on defense, they can slow them down. And then 
I do think this A&M defense is good, but it can be had. But it'll be a good test for the front, William, because A&M does have some talented front seven guys. And so I'm, I'll be interested to see how Alabama's offensive line plays in this game. Yeah, man, let him put 45 out there and let him channel his inner Mike Allstott. Um, yeah. If, 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 if they need some help at running back. Uh, I wish that guy got more involved anyway. Yeah, some, somebody asked me who would be the fourth back, and I said, well, really, I don't know. Uh, you know, I, that, that'd be a great question. Uh, I know they've got some walk-ons in the program. And then Kamar Wheaton, we've already mentioned, I don't think he's healthy enough. Uh, to, to, you know, he's not going to be out there right now, even though he's explosive and he's talented. I don't know. Someone asked me if he was out for the season. I don't know that for a fact yet. I mean, probably need to do some checking on that, especially now. I was just thinking he would obviously redshirt because of the depth at the position. But as we said, uh, now Jason McClellan likely lost for the season. So now you don't have four backs. Uh, you've got three and you would have four with Kamar. But we'll just have to see, uh, you know, what happens and if Kamar can get healthy, you know, down the road. No doubt about that. But uh, now it, it's going to be interesting. Bryce Young, some think the favorite for the Heisman. He played a very solid game yesterday. Had one ball he'd like to have back on the goal line. You don't want to throw a pick there, even though it ended up being like a punt. And Alabama did get the stop this time and uh, was able to force uh, the uh, punt from Ole Miss, though it was a great punt. but uh, And I guess the one other concern for Alabama coming out of this game, James Burnup, he didn't have to punt a lot, but when he did, it was a shorter one, though it was at the 21-yard line. So there may be a little bit of concern about him as a punter thus far, but we'll just have to wait and see. Luckily, this Alabama team hasn't been punting a whole lot, and I don't know if they'll have to punt a whole lot against Texas A&M. I will ask you this, William. Uh, I know Alabama was locked in for Ole Miss because of what happened a year ago. They've, they've dominated this Texas A&M series since at losing that one game in 2012 to Johnny Manziel and Brian Denny Stadium. Uh, and they've really won impressively. They won impressively in Tuscaloosa last year. Do you worry at all about their mindset going into this matchup with the Aggies? No, I don't. I mean, I think, you know, everything – you know, everything that they want to accomplish this season is still out there in front of them. Um, you know, that's a, um, you know, a challenging place to play. Probably not going to be as challenging with, with you know, A&M being on a, you know, a two-game losing streak. I think they're catching a break that it's a night game, uh, you know, versus a 2.30 kickoff, even though it's not supposed to be that flaming hot this weekend. But, you know, it can be – you know, in the 70s and the 80s in Birmingham or Tuscaloosa and still be just terrible in, in College Station. Um, but I, I don't expect them to, you know, have a letdown this week. I think they've still got, um, you know, a lot of things that they can work on. I think it's a, um, you know, another good, you know, offense, um, you know, especially if, uh, uh, oh God, what's the starter's name that's been hurt? Haynes King. Um, yeah, King, you know, he's a dual threat guy. Um, you know, they, they kind of got, you know, a little bit into the, you know, playing two quarterbacks, um, you know, this past weekend. And, you know, that may have, you know, helped Mississippi State more than it helped Texas A&M. But um, like you said, I mean, I think offensively Texas A&M is, is really struggling right now. 
Um, you know, they on paper they do have a good front seven. Uh, you know, on defense and and uh, you know, but the biggest weakness on their team seems to be their offensive line. So, um, want to see the you know Alabama's front seven you know feast a little bit out there in College Station Saturday night. But you know, I think this team is. Um, you know, that, that scare and down there at the swamp in Florida, you know, I think probably woke them up and, you know, hopefully they'll go out there, you know, and, and turn it into a business trip. And, you know, I, and I guess, you know, while we're on the subject of it, uh, is Nick Saban ever going to play backups? How, how many points do we have to be up for the backups to come in? <laughs> I look, you know, look, looking out there when you're up 20 something points and there's, you know, five minutes left to go in the game and all the starters are still in. I, I don't know. Somebody help me understand. Well, they did finally put Moody in yesterday in the in the fourth quarter. Uh, I saw some of him. I saw some of Daniel Wright, but that was because Jordan Battle tweaked an ankle. But he did. But Battle did come back in the game, but which kind of surprised me. I thought they would just hold Battle out the rest of the contest because I actually thought Battle played well. Uh, so we'll see. I don't think that was considered a serious injury. Hopefully, no other serious injuries are gonna. Uh, are going to come out of the game. I do think some guys are banged up. I think Drew Sanders is a little banged up. Owens is a little banged up from what I'm hearing. Uh, same way uh, with uh, Brian Robinson, but you, you, you've already talked about that, William. He he definitely, he had the ribs, you know, where he sat out the week before against Southern Mississippi. So he had to be a little tender coming in and then got that kind of workload. But hopefully, uh, he's going to be uh, good. He should. He. Uh, uh, I know he'll have a week of practice, but I'm sure they'll probably lighten his load, and hopefully he'll be, uh, you know, fresh enough for A and M. We'll see about that. But Thomas, I know you uh, watched a little bit of A and M as well. It looks like Haynes King won't play in that game. He didn't play yesterday. I would still expect it to be Calzada. He he has a strong arm, but his accuracy has come and gone. He's a little bit streaky and inconsistent, so we'll have to see. I still think the biggest key for Alabama is to slow down Isaiah Spiller, who's a quality running back. But, Thomas, what are your thoughts on the A&M matchup? If Zach Calzada starts for quarterback, Texas A&M has no shot. <laughs> the, the problem is that we now have two weeks' worth of data where the A&M offense has been – just awful truly truly bad and now you're getting a defense that is you know talent wise is the most talented you've seen it's not like the AM offense is going to magically turn into a zone read thing their their players are going to get out of position and blah 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 and suddenly it's a jailbreak i, I don't think that's going to happen at all and because of that it's going to be one of those things where maybe after the first quarter, maybe after, maybe at half, I could see it being, you know, 17-3, 17-7 kind of thing because the AM defense is the real deal. But they're going to be on the field for so long that they're going to end up breaking down. And that, you know, and that's the ideal case where – Alabama doesn't get like a Jamison Williams over the top shot because they want, you know, the one thing you would love to see develop in this offense, Bryce Young's short to intermediate passing accuracy is absolutely unbelievable. He's he, if he misses, he's not missing badly. 
And that's only a couple of plays a game, a couple of passes a game. But on the long stuff, he's really struggling. Like, you just, it just, the timing hasn't come together. But in a situation like if Jamison Williams blows the top off the defense and Alabama gets a quick strike explosive, it could get out of hand really, really fast because AM has no chance whatsoever to get in a track meet with this Alabama team. And one of the things that I'm really interested in seeing is how good does this Alabama defense look against extremely, extremely baby Georgia? Georgia's going to do a few more spready type things than, than A&M does, and that's fine. But A&M is going – it's a pro-style attack, and what has Georgia done on offense? They've been so dominant that they've just run at the – this run straight into the teeth of the defense. If we come in, we're recording our show next Sunday, and Texas A&M has 150, 200 yards rushing, I'm going to be throwing stuff because that is absolutely unacceptable. There is no reason for A&M to push over 250 total yards in this game. I think their offense is that bad. Now, I'll defend Alabama if they get into the 270s with a 70-yard explosive play. But overall, I expect this Alabama team to still be dominant. But the game itself is going to flow differently because the A&M the, – the, here's the best way to put it. As good as Ole Miss's offense was, A&M's offense is that bad. In a similar vein, as bad as the Ole Miss defense is, the Texas A&M defense is that good. So I, I think it's going to be just, you know, can Alabama keep changing their pitch on offense? And – can they take an overmatched offense that, frankly, is straight out of, like, 1995 with an occasional RPO in it and just completely kill it? If that happens, you have to feel real happy as an Alabama fan to get a win on the road in the SEC, which has been very difficult in most cases, and to get a win on the road in the SEC against a very, very baby Georgia type of attack, Drew. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. I, I do think I, my my feel for the game. You know, I was I, I had I nearly had Alabama's point total right. I had them they they scored forty two. I had them with forty five. I've got it being about a thirty four, you know, seventeen thirty four fourteen type game over uh, the uh, the Texas A and M Aggies. I just think that Alabama should be able to contain their offense. And then while I think I do respect the Aggies front, DeMarvin Leal's obviously a freaky guy. They've got McKinley Jackson. I mean, their salary cap on defense is probably uh, the highest in the SEC over Georgia and LSU uh, with all the money they've spent in recruiting, just to just to be as frank as I can be. Uh, but, you know, McKinley Jackson's on that D-line. So they've got some guys. So. Alabama's going to have to play well on the O-line to move the ball consistently. I do think Bryce gives them a great chance to do that. They're going to have to protect Bryce, of course, first and foremost. And then I think the backs should be able to, you know, have some success. You made a good point, Thomas, about hopefully them being on the field quite a bit. And if Alabama can get some turnovers and some three and outs, you know, from the A&M offense, make that defense stay out there and have to compete all game long. And I think Alabama can wear them down. 
and they've been able to throw it on their secondary in the past. And uh, Trayshawn Holden got in the game late yesterday, made a nice catch and first down. So, and I and I love the two tight ends. Jaleel is now a bigger part of the offense. He and Latou were great yesterday. You got you and William have already mentioned that. I just think it's a, a chance for Alabama uh, to uh, make some hay without a doubt and uh, get a nice road win. William, I know uh, you've you've uh, got a commitment coming up in a few minutes. As we wrap it up here, uh, that yeah, we, before you go, uh, just what what what's kind of your feel for the A and M game? I know it's a big spread, seventeen and a half. How do you kind of see that matchup uh, in College Station on Saturday night? I'm I'm kind of along your your line of thought, Drew. I see it about thirty eight fourteen. Um, and, and, you know, going back to something that y'all were both talking about a minute ago, um, I, I certainly think that, uh, you know, DJ Durkin uh, sticking with a three-man front for, for the whole game versus Alabama was probably the worst coaching um, I saw yesterday. Uh, 1B was over in Athens, Georgia, about halfway through the second quarter. I told a buddy of mine, just turn this game off. Let's watch some Michigan-Wisconsin uh, for some reason, this idiot, uh, uh, Barry Odom, thinks he's going to slow Georgia's running game down with a three-man front. There's no sense watching this game anymore. <laughs> yeah, you really can't well, stop the run with three-man front. And, and uh, let, let me – Go ahead, Tom. Th- there's some schematic reasons for why both of those defenses run three-man fronts. The three-three-five or the three-two-six, depending on what the personnel groupings are it's trying to stop, are – that, that defense is really, really good at stopping spread teams. I mean, Nick Saban even said it in his post-game press conference yesterday. We didn't really want to just run up and punch him in the face, but we knew it would work because of the defensive alignment. The three-man front is great because, ideally, it can take explosive teams and make them drive. You know, you, you, you can't throw an 80-yard touchdown pass on a, th- on a drop-eight defense. You have to get, you know, five yards here, seven yards there, et cetera, et cetera. The thing that breaks everything is exactly what William was just saying. You can't go heavy to match the physicality of an Alabama offensive line, of a Georgia offensive line. And what pitch change do you have? Sure, you might be able to get a four-man front, but the whole point of your defense is, you know, keep everything in front of you and force the offense to be efficient enough to just keep getting first downs. And that's awesome when you don't have you explosive but inefficient offense. What Alabama and Georgia were able to do against essentially the, you know, variations on a theme uh, in terms of how they want to defend opposing offenses with the 3-3-5 or the 3-2-6 again, Alabama and Georgia were able to be like, cool. You want us to drive the length of the field, averaging, you know, three, four, five yards of play, have a seven-yard explosive, et cetera, et cetera. Alabama and Georgia are comfortable doing that. Not a lot of programs in the country are going to be as wild about that. Because think about, we talked about this with Ole Miss, and I'll, I'll, I'll get back, I'll, come, I'll kick it back to you soon, I promise. What is Ole Miss's game predicated on? RPO run plays run the ball, hit the RPOs, either pound the slant or take a deep shot. Well, that's a kind of a bender that's kind of an ex, that's an explosive or nothing defense. What happened their ex, offense, excuse me. What happened yesterday? 
Ole Miss was never able to establish the run well enough. And because of that, they took limited deep shots. And even the few that they took were either a frankly unbelievable catch or weren't completed. That's what... That's how those teams, both Arkansas and Ole Miss, play complementary football. But if you can't change your pitch and get physical, you have no chance whatsoever. Like, honestly, I would love to see the Ole Miss offense against the Georgia defense, but the problem is it would just be a redux of what we saw with this Alabama group. Georgia would throw like five passes the whole game, run for 350, control the ball for 40 to 45 minutes, and it'd be a snooze fest by halfway through the second quarter because the Ole Miss defense would just be gassed. But anyway, I just wanted to explain why they, both of those teams, are going to really struggle against physicality. But honestly, when they play each other, that, I would take the under in that game because both of those defenses are really built to hurt the other offense. Well, I can say I, I get I get I get Durkin maybe sticking with it until halftime. Um, you know, because Bryce Young and the Alabama wide receivers have, have shown that they can, you know, complete a forward pass. But about halfway through the second quarter yesterday, the lights should have gone off in Barry Odom's head and said, you know what? I'm fixing to go and pretend like I'm the head coach of the Ampite Bulldogs uh, in the movie All the Right Moves in 1984, and we're going 6-2 stack monster if we do anything. 4-6 four, yeah, bear, 4-6 bear. bear. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's exactly right. And, uh, you know, I thought going into the game that Alabama had to win the time of possession. They had, you know, they had nearly 38 minutes of possession time to 22 for Ole Miss. The turnover battle was even one apiece, but, but we had, we kind of buried it, but I thought Fedarian Mathis William played another dominant game. He had a strip sack. They couldn't deal with him. I still think he's played like an all American this year. And, uh, you know, I know A&M Marvin Leal is going to get a lot of pub, but I think Phil Mathis has played as well as any defensive lineman in the country. Like, like we talked about a couple of weeks ago, he's on the same trajectory as uh, our old buddy from last year, Christian Myway Barmore. Yep, he sure is. He he played very well, and then like I say, Alabama was able to dominate the you know rushing for 210 yards and then holding Ole Miss uh, to under 80 yards. They just did a great job. They they had to win the rushing battle, the time of possession, and the turnovers, uh, and they really did all three. So that's why they dominated the Rebels. They need to do more of the same against Texas A&M, but I do think that uh, the Ole Miss offense is much better than A&M's. I think uh, Ole Miss has got a better football team right now than Texas A&M, but we'll see about that you know, going forward in the game on Saturday to see if A&M can get up to play Alabama. Certainly they'll be motivated to a degree, but their season is kind of teetering. So, And, and like William said, Alabama needs to develop a killer instinct and go over to College Station and get a big win to go to 6-0. and But I also wanted to update the listeners really quickly as well uh, because uh, they had a couple of official visitors in football. Javante Barnes from Nevada, four-star running back. He's already had some reaction from his official visit. Since they lost, uh, the Moss kid who had committed to Alabama and, and uh, reopened his uh, you know recruitment from Baton Rouge, they want to add a second running back. We've already seen 
you know, the uh, the uh, that how uh, the uh, you know the, the running back room can the attrition can happen so quickly. They're down to three, so they've already got Emmanuel Henderson committed. I think he was on campus this weekend again, but from Geneva, Alabama, and so they he's a, a five star versatile guy. Now they want to add another running back, uh, but so. Uh, that's a guy to keep an eye on. And then also they had a, another, uh, you know, visitor, official visitor in from the state of Texas. Uh, he was an offensive lineman that uh, is a uh, very, uh, you know, uh, highly thought of prospect. I don't know if they're going to take another offensive lineman. Uh, he just had his, uh, matter of fact, they just got some reaction from him. If they do, this could be a, a guy they might take, but he's Devon Campbell from the state of Texas. He's somebody that, you know, Steve Sarkeesian wants uh, uh, quite a bit as well. So Alabama got that huge commitment from Elijah Pritchett from Columbus, Georgia, who's one of the best tackles in the country. They probably, ideally, especially since you can oversign this year, they would probably sign one more. uh, And Devon would be an interior guy. So we'll see. Uh, You know, it sounds like he and his family were blown away. I know Texas wants him badly. He's considered a five-star talent, so we will see going forward if Alabama pushes for him. Uh, and so, and uh, and so he's a he's a guy that's uh, really well thought of, no doubt about it. Uh, you know, in in the in the country, he's from Arlington, Texas, Bowie High School. So we will we will follow Devon Campbell going forward. And then there was two official visitors in basketball with Jaden Bradley, who committed to Alabama. Just a few days ago, the top point guard in the country, Nate Oates and his staff, continue to do such an amazing job of recruiting. They they had led for this kid for much of the process. Arizona made a late push, and then Alabama closed the deal. Brian Hodgson had a relationship with him dating back to his days of prep in North Carolina, knew he and the family very well. So Jaden Bradley committing to Alabama. He and Jerace Walker, his Five-star teammate from IMG Academy, a power forward, a 6'8 young man, are on an official visit this weekend. Alabama trying to outmaneuver Houston for Jerace and also still trying to bring in five-star small forward Brandon Miller from Cane Ridge, Tennessee. So Alabama could potentially sign three five-stars in this recruiting class. Uh, and, uh, so, and then keep an eye on another combo guard, Ryland Griffin from Richardson, Texas, so, and, and Kamani Hamilton as well a power forward or a combo forward from Mississippi. So Nate Oates and his staff are really doing a nice job of recruiting. I think they've got a chance to sign another top 10 national class, which would be huge for Alabama basketball, which is going to be here before we know it. You know, it's really less than a month and a half away before the Crimson Tide and Nate Oates uh, try to defend their SEC regular season and tournament titles. So looking forward to that, no question about it. And we'll continue to keep our ears to the ground on recruiting and what we hear. But certainly uh, Pritchett is an outstanding prospect, a great get for Alabama. And we'll, and they may end up adding the number one tight end in the country, Jalil Skinner from IMG Academy. He moved up his decision date to this Friday, October the 8th. And Alabama is thought right now to have the edge after Florida State, who finally did beat somebody. But Florida State's had a lot of issues under Mike Norvell. They've only won one game this year. And so I think the, the prime competition for Jaleel Skinner was Florida State. And I think Alabama could get some more good recruiting news at the end of this next week. And we'll talk about that next Sunday 
after Alabama takes on Texas A&M in, uh, in uh, College Station. So we all like Alabama big in this contest. Thomas, uh, I, I, did, I guess I'll bring you back in to finish the show, but uh, William, William and I are on the same you know, uh, wavelength as far as score prediction. How did, how did, what's your feel for the A&M matchup? I'm in the same ballpark as you guys. I'll go, you know, 41-20. I think A&M will be able to do some things in garbage time, which will piss Nick Saban off. But at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter. Alabama's going to roll. There might be some slight struggles as, you know, Alabama sort of gets into the game flow. But A&M doesn't have the horses to compete. And if the, the horses that they have – they are not seasoned enough to keep up with this football team. So Alabama wins, and then, honestly, that Mississippi State game looms pretty large because how Mississippi State can attack teams is going to force some changes from this Alabama defense, and if there's an air quotes weak point on this Alabama football team, it's at a couple of spots, as I mentioned with the inside backers. But we'll worry about that one next week. Alabama rolls against Texas A&M. Well, William, enjoy uh, your. I know you. Uh, uh, you're about to go see a movie. Uh, uh, the, uh, uh, the, uh, the, uh, uh, the, uh, the, 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 the. It's. I guess what it is is uh, the. It's uh, a look at the Sopranos in the early days uh, that's being made. So enjoy the film tonight, man. But we appreciate the time as always, and your thoughts on Alabama football. We'll catch up with you next Sunday. Appreciate it, man. Sounds good, guys. Looking forward to it. And, uh, and, and everybody, enjoyed this edition of BAMS Radio. We really appreciate the feedback and all the support. We do this because of our love of Alabama football. We just like to kind of break down the matchup on the Sunday after the game. Uh, I appreciate Thomas Watts for uh, being here tonight once again and uh, producing it. Uh, and uh, and I, I look forward to breaking down the matchup with Texas A&M next week. Uh, I think it's lost a little bit of its luster, but it's still a challenging one because A&M has a pretty good defense. I don't think it's near Georgia's class, but they do have some talent on their front. And so it'll be an interesting one for Alabama's offensive line, the way they attack Texas A&M. And, of course, we want to see Bryce Young continue to grow and see the, the growth of the running back room as far as the changing roles for Roy Dell Williams and Trey Sanders. What are they going to do? with more extended playing time. But, you know, I, I just I appreciate Thomas for what he what he does each week. We appreciate all this, all, all you guys giving us a, some, uh, some of the support and, again, the feedback. And we'll continue to bring you BAMS Radio. I hope everybody enjoyed this, uh, this episode. We should have some more recruiting news for you next week and a full breakdown of Texas A&M. But good night, everybody, and roll tide. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.